Loving Beyond the I Do podcast is produced and sponsored by LegendaryRelationship.com. All things marriage, all the time. Welcome to Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. This power couple is building stronger marriages one day at a time. Talking about real issues on love, relationships, and marriage longevity. Let's break down the barriers and engage in healthy conversation with your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. Take a seat and buckle up because things are about to get real. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Loving Beyond the I Do podcast, episode number eight. With Jason and Tina Marie. So this week, guys, we're talking about your upbringing or your background. What? We just came off of a great weekend celebrating Valentine's Day. Even though I do not feed into commercialized merchandising, we did have a great time enjoying ourselves and dancing and just celebrating love. It was a night full of love. It was a wonderful thing seeing so many married couples in one room sharing what they cared most about was each other. And that's a fantastic thing. So we don't have to celebrate it on Valentine's Day. We can celebrate it any day, but it just so happens that we did it for the Valentine's Day Gala. So shout out to all the married and committed couples and all the lovebirds out there that actually celebrated Valentine's Day and got something out of it instead of just commercializing it. I hope they got something out of it. The couples themselves celebrating and renewing their love because that's what it's supposed to be is not about the flowers or the candy or what did you buy me? That's the commercialization of it. I'm talking about I hope everyone who celebrated actually rekindled or fell um, back in love just realize oh, yeah. or just love, realize right. that just the person that you're with is the one that you really love and the one you chose to be with and you made the most of it this week we are going to touch on your background and how it plays a part as to who you are right now today everything that you've encountered up until the point that you met your mate has made you the person that you are and i think sometimes we don't take into consideration our upbringing, and how it affects our relationships. So you wonder why you get into certain situations in your relationship, and it's because, you know, hey, that's what I'm used to. That's what I'm accustomed to. That's how I was raised, or this is how we've always done things. But now you get into a relationship with someone, and they've done things differently. Now you need to compromise, and that sometimes creates some frictions in your relationship. So we're just here to kind of highlight some of these things and show you some ways that you might want to pay attention to what went on prior to your life that, you know, before you got into this relationship so you can make your relationship better. Or how we can change those things because we don't recognize them, but if we talk about them and then we kind of get that aha moment, then we can kind of change going forward. So we're going to start off with family dynamics, and that means How you got along with your siblings, how you got along with your parents, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, whether or not your family was close or distant, whether or not it's important to you to be around your family or if it doesn't matter. So there are some people, for instance, myself, who my family is pretty close 
And not just me and my sisters, but growing up, my whole family was close. And then as my sisters and I got older, we were really, really close. And we had about all of our children together and they were raised together. So when we married our husbands, it was different for them. Whereas me and my sisters were always together. And I think that we really didn't think about it, but it's all in your upbringing. So if your family is not used to seeing each other every day or talking to each other every day, whereas when I grew up, my mom talked to her sisters every single day, like six and seven times a day. Every time the phone rang, it was one of my aunts talking to her. And I used to think like, why do you guys need to talk so much every day? But then when I grew up, me and my sisters did the same thing. So you're turning to your mother all over again. I think it's just family. I didn't turn into my mother. It was, <laughs> you this talk, was something, Are you or are you not talking to your sisters six or seven times a day? I didn't turn into her. She was just an <laughs> influence in my life. <laughs> so it was so funny because my sister's husband, you know, before cell phones were attached to our hip, she would come home and say, did anybody call me? And he would say, the same people that call you every day. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought that he felt some type of way. And he probably did because his family did not talk and speak that often. So A lot of men don't interact that much on the phone. Some no, do, no. but for the most part, yeah. most men, a lot of I men I think it's don't. just, like I said, it's your family dynamics. It's your family sure. dynamics. It's all about how you were raised and what you did as you came up and how you interact as a young adult. Let's talk about that in our relationship. Jason is the social person anyway. So my sisters were always over here, always. And like I said, one of my sisters, her husband, you know, he's, to me, he didn't speak with his family that often. And the other one is the only child. So he wasn't used to having siblings. So did that bother you because we hung out so much? No, it didn't bother me at all. When we first moved in to our home, to our home, every weekend could turn into a party at the drop of a hat. I mean, it I'm, pretty much did. It pretty much <laughs> did. I, I pretty much have the grill going. And next thing I know, the doorbell's ringing. Someone's dropping by. We put extra food on the grill. And after a while, we got sides going and everything else. And so now we, we have the have music going and the kids are out front either playing basketball or just playing out in the yard or in the pool or whatever. They were just we, we every weekend we had a house full of people. And it was so funny because you wouldn't see anyone during the week. But when the weekend came, it was always a ton of people. But it would be impromptu. I mean, it would just like pop by. And it was just like, hey, you know, we were in the neighborhood or we were stopping by. And it's like, okay, hey, you know what? I was about to throw something on the grill. We're like, Okay, great. And then the kids, you know, we kept hot dogs and hamburgers in there and everything. So it was always something to eat and it was a lot of fun. And Jason's sister always stopped by. And at one point, when we didn't know our neighbors, they were really confused as to who lived here. <laughs> because every weekend, there were at least 15 to 20 people here, kids, adults. And I know where they were thinking, like, how many of them live? In-? And one time we had a um, block party and they asked. But going into that, I know that when you're in a relationship, and the other person is not used to having the family around a lot, that it can cause arguments. For sure it can. It can cause problems. If I'm used to just being by myself or having my quiet time or whatever, my time, and then it's always busy bringing in other people, yeah, we love them from a distance or whatever, yeah, they're our in-laws and we understand that, but I may feel like I don't want to see them all the time. Yeah, some people just as though... You see your relatives either on 
special occasions, on holidays, on birthdays. Other than that, then they shouldn't be over all the time. And that can create a, so a little bit of friction in your relationship. They're your sisters. You love or them. your brothers. Oh, right. They're your siblings. You love them and you want to be there for them. But now you have your husband. You have your mate. Does your siblings create issues for your mate? And if so, you need to take a step back and realize that when you get married, you have to look at those dynamics. How did I interact with my family? Am I a person that wants to see my family all the time? And is my spouse someone who does not mind seeing my family all the time? Or if I'm a person who was brought up where I did not see my family a lot, or I didn't have a lot of siblings, or my siblings and I are not close, and I'm okay with the fact of not seeing them all the time, but my spouse wants to see his siblings all the time. This is something that you need to talk about and handle in the beginning, because usually when you're dating prior to getting married, it's just you and that person. Right. And all of these things don't come out until after you've gotten married and maybe you have a home and now you're inviting the family over or your family is more. Now that you have a place to conjugate, now everyone's coming over. How does my spouse feel about that? Is this something that is going to create a problem in our marriage? And if so, we need to think about and deal with those things prior to them happening. But you don't even realize you have an issue until it's happening. And then you're really confused about the issue. You have family members coming over. That's not what's going to be conveyed right out of the gate. Because you're going to say, do you have a problem with my siblings coming over? And the smart answer would be, no, I, I don't have a problem with them coming over. But deep down inside, you know, yeah. Or it turns into a problem because you're seeing them more often than you want to. Sometimes I like to see them, you know, holidays or whatever. But, you know, just too much is too much. So I think the background in dealing with family aspects and family dynamics is also a big issue in a lot of relationships, how we're used to interacting. Now, once you get married to your mate, your mate comes first. True. But you also have to understand how they interacted with their siblings. If your spouse showed love to her siblings, then pretty much that's what she's going to have or she's going to show towards you and towards anyone in her family. So you must understand that. Also, in addition, I just want to add something out there. When Jason and I bought our first home, his mom moved in with us. And one of his relatives said to me that she was very shocked that I allowed or I was okay with the fact that his mom moved in one because we were young and two because we had young kids and lots of times the in-law does not it's it would be different if it was my mom but it was his mom and I didn't have a problem with that and I guess people saw that as strange but again it goes back to my upbringing because I valued my mom so much that his mom was a value to me also it had nothing to do with whose mom it was My love for my mom allowed me to have love for his mom, which it was okay with her moving in with us. It didn't matter our age or how many kids we had. It was all right with us. And that goes back to having admiration for your siblings. So you have it for your mom and your dad. Now you have it for your siblings. Now your siblings and things are coming over. So you don't really have an issue. So it's one big, really, it's one big happy family. Or let's just say if I wasn't close to my mom and then he wanted his mom to move in, that could have caused a problem because I would have been a person that would have been like, no, I don't want your mom to move in. No, she can't move in with us. And he would have been like, well, I want my mom to move in. That right there could have caused a problem. And a lot of times, a lot of issues in relationships are based on family dynamics. If 
Tina has a problem, let's say, with someone in her family, and I say it's a brother or a sister, or let's just say a sibling, and I get along well with my siblings, and they're coming over, she may have an issue. Like, why is your sibling always coming over? Because she doesn't have that relationship. Right. So you must understand the dynamics of your mate's relationship with their family. And even to um, go deeper into that, let's just say that growing up, I argued a lot with my siblings and we fought a lot and we did not resolve our issues. We just kind of stayed mad at each other. And, you know, people do it all the time. So if if I was a person that, you know, had problems with them and I never learned how to resolve my issues with my siblings, then that leads to and feeds into how I relate to my mate. And when we argue now, if I'm the type of person that's like, I need closure after every you know, incident that we have, that's going to create a problem because if she's used to leaving things open and I need closure, like or not just caring or, you know, or, or, right. or not just caring. So either way, so you, you, you don't have closure. You're upset. You have issues. You're not speaking and I mean, it's just a whole different dynamics where you're used to not speaking to your siblings, cutting them off. And now you're trying to do that in your marriage with your mate. And your mate is looking for closure like, hey, you know, I might have come up uh, with a family that, hey, let's talk about this thing. Let's go ahead and hash it out and get everything, you know, taken care of before we go to bed. And that may be something that I'm not used to doing, which all in itself can create a whole new conflict in our relationship so those are the things that we say you need to kind of look out for and well just understand understand the and where embrace the, actual, the differences right. or to understand where the true problem lies sometimes we just look at that that is the argument and we just can't resolve it but if we look deeper as to why we're arguing what we're arguing about, again, going back to conflict resolution and then understanding that sometimes our past pays, plays a great deal in how we handle conflict, then we can kind of resolve them issue. Not just I mean, conflict. Easier. Yeah, but not just conflict, but every aspect of our lives. Our future is molded and sculpted by our past. So it's, the reason why I'm doing the things now is because of what happened to me in the past. Right. So... Our neighborhoods, our household, our parents, our friends, the education that we received, the customs that we do, our culture, how we handle things, what's ethically and morally for us may not be for you. So it's understanding all those dynamics. It's not just the love for that person, but it's who that person is from top to bottom, from A to Z that we have to unravel and discuss and realize that when we get a better understanding of each one of us, when you understand me as a whole and I understand you as a whole, it can only make our relationship better because now I am accepting you and I understand why you do what you do and why we act the way we act and therefore we can handle it in a different manner. Yeah, but that's going to take some time because you're going to, it's a lot of layers that you're going to have to peel back um, during this time. First of all, you have to recognize it for yourself. You have to recognize that it's your past that has you where you are in your future. Once you realize it, then you can deal with it. The other person has to understand that that's how he was raised or that's how he is. But you would really want to change to make your life better now. You can't be the same old 20-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever, as a 40 or 50-year-old. 
right? You have to evolve and you have to change. I didn't like this growing up. You know, my mom made me wash dishes. I said that I didn't want to wash dishes. But as a 50-year-old male, if there's <laughs> dishes in the sink... They need to be washed. They need to be washed. Regardless of how you felt or as a how, kid. How deep-rooted that bothers me, I have to wash them. And, and I think when we understand that we looked at things in our past, in adolescent or younger years or in our 20s, we looked at it through the eyes of the age that we were. We didn't look at it through the eyes of an adult. So we can't bring those same feelings and how we dealt with things in the past the way we deal with them now. And that's why you have those little kitty arguments as adults, because you're still reverting back to that time in your life when you had to deal with that same type of conflict. And you're you're acting the same way you did when that conflict first arose. However, you were able to Absolutely. overcome that that situation. However, you dealt with it, you learned that, and that's what you did time and time again. You get in a relationship. This particular argument come up. Your mind goes, "Oh yeah, I know what we did. We did this, and this is how you interact. This is how you protect yourself. You're going to proceed this way." If I say, "Hey, Jason, like, can you wash the dishes?" and as a kid, he really hated that, then his attitude is instantly going to come out. He's going to be upset over washing the dishes, and to me, I'm not understanding why. I'm thinking, "Okay, there's dishes in the sink for whatever reason, or there's dishes that need to be washed." What is the problem with washing them if I always wash them? So I'm getting upset because he's gotten upset over having to do the dishes. But the real issue is not the dishes. The issue is that how he approached the dishes as a kid. Right. The eight-year-old Jason. Or the 12 or the 13-year-old Jason, right? Because no one really, honestly, no one loves to wash dishes. I I didn't grow up. I I didn't grow out of that. I washed dishes for a long time. So, yeah. And I believe, weren't you one of the people who told me that you like despised washing dishes? Like, you hated washing dishes? Yes, especially on Sundays. Well, the good thing is, our kids never really wash dishes. We had a dishwasher and they didn't even have a clue the struggle that we went through (laughs) being younger. They don't wash dishes very well now. That's true. And and also, (laughs) that goes to parenting. We parent based on our upbringing. How many times have we said, when I get old enough, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to allow my kids to do or this. Or my kids won't have to or something to that won't sort. Have to. Right. But is that really the best way to raise your child? And you wonder why when he becomes an adult, like, why can't you do this? Because you never made me do it as a kid. Now, as an adult, so you you're want trying me to, to give do them, it. Right. Now, you're, you gave them, it was a benefit to you because you saw it as something bad. So you didn't make your kids do it. But now you realize in later years that, hey, that might have been a good lesson to teach them the things that my parents taught me or the things that I did as a child. Maybe even though I disliked them, it gave me character. And maybe this is something that I should have continued as an adult. But we normally take those things that we dislike and we say, I'm not going to press that on my child. My child is not going to have to wash the dishes. They're not going to have to come in when the street lights come on. They're not going to have to do a lot of different things. We're going to be able to have conversations or the child is going to be able to talk back or whatever or whatever. whatever And what we don't realize is that some of those things that bothered us as a kid only bothered us because we were a kid. And maybe those guidelines and stipulations should have been something that we continued on force later. But not only that, but now, however you felt, you're doing one way with your kids and your spouse may feel a different way. They may feel as though the child needs to come in for the streetlights because maybe that didn't bother them. Or maybe they feel like the kids should wash the dishes. So now you're arguing over something that 
you all differ in because of your upbringing. And it's not even about the child or the issue that you're doing. It's really about how you feel about the situation that you're arguing about and trying to understand why that person has the position that they have. So you have to look at you have to look at things from the adult point of view. So now you have your own child and you're raising it. What's the best way to go about it? Not your feelings about certain aspects of you growing up, but what's the best avenue to raise your child in today's society? Between the both of you. And so that's that's what it's all about. Understanding and realizing that our past really makes and breaks a lot of relationships because we can't see that it's our past. Right. We do what our parents did sometimes. I mean, because that's all we knew. That's what I saw on a daily basis, how my parents interacted with one another. Now, that's what I'm bringing to my relationship. Which goes back to either a, a single parent household or, you know, if you had both of your parents there. Or if both of your parents may have been in your life but did not live together. All of those things play a part. And that's why you have to you have to dig deep into yourself. You have to do a lot of self-work. Your relationship can flourish, but you first have to understand yourself. You have to understand why you feel the way you feel about certain aspects in your relationship. And trying to change the way you feel and not take that into a relationship and expect it to be the same way. Meaning, let's say, for instance, uh, communication. If my family or my mom or my dad and I did not communicate very well or we dealt with communication as to they said something and I got upset and I cut myself off, then that's how I'm going to handle my communication with my husband. One of the most valuable lessons we can learn in marriage is that we have to learn how to communicate differently. And if we had a family that communicated well And that's what we bring into this relationship. But our spouse does not know how to communicate. How do we fix that problem? Well, you have to kind of understand what's going on. Study your spouse's interaction with their family. If you already can see that they have a certain way to communicate with one another, that's why they're communicating with you that way. If you weren't raised that way, if it was different, then you can understand and see the conflict that you guys are having. Hey, she's going to. Uh, be quiet if I get too loud or she's going to overtalk me or whatever the case may be. Just realizing that our communication differences is something that we need to recognize and work on and study about when we get married. And that's the biggest thing. We have to recognize those things that are important and valuable in a marriage and work on them prior to marriage and during marriage so that we have a better chance at marriage. Then you have to realize and watch. Yeah, it's it's warm and fuzzy in the beginning when you're getting to know one another, but still pay attention to the interactions of, you know, how they treat their mom or how they treat their dad, how they interact with everybody, because that's going to turn around and beat you all in a couple of years or however long when you get in a relationship. So you're in a marriage now. Now you're acting out like your father and you're expecting your new wife to act like your mom did to your father. Or you're expecting to act to your wife the way your dad acted to your mom. So all those things, we don't realize it, but we do. It molds and cultivates us, and that's our culture. And if we want something different, 
we have to see what we're bringing to the relationship that may not be a plus. It may not be something value added to the relationship. It may be something that we definitely need to alter and change so that we can communicate differently. Also money. Yeah, but before we get to the money part, I commend the people that say, this did not work in my family. I see the dysfunction here. I didn't like this. I want to do things a little bit better. Maybe I'll spend some time expressing and showing my kids more love, more affection, my wife and my whole entire family more love and being a leader. Kudos to you if you saw something that did not work and you went in to try to make your relationship and your family whole, just being the male, female and child in the relationship and making that whole dynamics work in a very functional way. For instance, with money. And financial literacy and how your family handled money or didn't handle money or had money, all those things play a huge part in a relationship. If my family did not have money and may have had the lights turned off or the gas turned off or we did we we went without. All of those things are still a part of me and I'm remembering and recognizing those things and I know how it made me feel. So money may be a very sensitive issue to me. And if it is and certain things bother me and my spouse is not going to know why. You can be a hoarder of money. So you're watching every single dime because you don't want the utilities to get turned off where the other mate may be free willing, like, hey, you know, we'll have it. No big deal. You know, this, that, and the others. You're creating problems that have yet to happen, but you're living through a, an experience that you had and you don't want that to happen. Right. So you're, you're anticipating this happening. It's like, I'm going to do or whatever it takes. you're afraid. Take. You're right. afraid that you don't want that to ever happen again. Right. So now you have a, you're bringing fear into the relationship when it comes to money. And now you, you are also bringing the way you handle money, what you think about money and how you handle it also creates issue between you and your spouse. Like you said, if if they are someone who was not brought up in a family where money was a problem, then they don't see those issues that you see. And so when you're telling someone something about money and you guys are looking at it from two different sides, it's hard to see the middle ground because you're looking from two different perspectives. Right. So that's what I mean. You have to look at you know, how they were, what they went through. I mean, and that's just come through regular conversation as you guys are getting to know each other. Sometimes well, you know, people don't talk about, well, and when, when they it, talk about money, they think they're talking about money now. A lot of times it's embarrassing to talk about certain aspects about financial literacy or the lack thereof. Or so, you don't think to talk about the issues that you had as a kid because you're not a kid anymore. Well, so people, yeah, but you might mention that you know, yeah, we might have had some like utilities turned off and that'll be it. You're not going to go. I don't deep think into any it. relationships. And I'm just thinking back on ours. I don't think when you're in a relationship and you're dating, like that's something that comes up. I, I just think that people feel as though they're at a point in their life when they get together and those things don't matter. They're thinking about the now you, me going forward, you know. So well, what about, you know, the couple that. Maybe one person didn't have a lot of clothes growing up, and now they spend a lot of their a money. A ton of money on clothes, <laughs> on, clothes. on material Why? things. Because they never had the chance to have those things as they came, you know, as they were coming up. Now, as an adult, they're making their own money. 
and they become a shopaholic, and now it has become a problem for your mate. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, if you're buying stuff and sneaking it in the house and trying to make it blend in with your other clothes, (laughs) you might have a situation. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying that how we handle money, how we look at money, my mom always handled the money in our family. When I started working in high school, and I got paid, my whole check went to my mom because she handled all the money and all the bills. And I did not have a problem with that. But when I got married, what I realized is that I really didn't have a financial education on how to pay bills, what to do with money, how to save money, how money worked. Like I worked and we paid our bills and things like that, but it could have been so much more or how or credit. I didn't understand or know all of those things. So that meant that when I became an adult and got married, I had to fumble my way through that instead of never having to experience that. You know, you start getting credit and you start doing things and then you get overextended. And so all of those things, financial literacy plays a part. What did I learn? What did my mate learn growing up? What what was his family spending habits? And I think the biggest part is they don't teach this in school. This is something that you're going to have to learn on your own. And this is just education. You have to do financial education on your own to figure it out. It's not the most difficult thing to do, but it's just you weren't raised with it. If you get with someone who comes from a family who has wealth and they understand wealth and how to build wealth and you do not, that right there in itself can be a problem. Whereas that person is trying to get you to understand why you shouldn't buy this or why we should buy that or how we should do this, but you're not seeing it because you're not financially educated. Instead of taking a stance of argument, we should learn how to share the knowledge that we know with our spouse without it having to be an argument. Yeah. It's not about being in control or anything like that. It's just education. The more we know, the better we can become. So if I know how money moves and how things happen, then we can navigate and put our money in places that could, you know, make us more profitable or flourish. Even our education is a huge part also because how we were educated, how much education we have and how we look at education plays a role in once we have kids and the dynamics of one Am I educated and what are we looking for in the future? And do I need to get more education? All of those things, someone who does not value education may not feel like education is a very important part of their kid's life, whereas the other partner may. If they've gone through college and have a higher degree and now they want their kids to have a good education, those things can also bring about some type of conflict. Just make sure that you guys are on the same page when it comes to education. Education we know is important. We're going to educate the kids this way. We're going to do this. So you have to come together when it comes to education. Or sort of like uh, in one of our other podcasts, we had several couples on and one of the couples had said that when she got married and then she found out she was pregnant, her and her husband talked about, you know, religion and how they were going to, you know, schooling and stuff like that. But they never talked about once the baby got here, who was going to change the diapers and who was going to make the milk and who was going to get the bottles and all of those things. All of those things play a part too. Like she said, it was a cultural difference where the woman is expected to do everything and the man is not. 
but that's not how she was raised. So it created a problem in her marriage. But at that time, she failed to see how her upbringing would have played a part in the conflict that she had once she had a baby. And that's what we're trying to show. We're trying to bring to light how that plays a part in the conflict that we have in our marriage or the differences and the difficulties that sometimes some of us can't get through. A lot of marriages end not because of the love, but because we can't see or understand how our past has played a difference and how we are actually relating in our marriage. Irreconcilable differences. There's a divorce term that's used most common, which we won't get into because we're not about. You don't understand each other's differences and you don't respect it and you're not trying to make it better. I have even spoken with a few divorced people and they say that if they understood their spouse's past as far as not being able to communicate because their family didn't communicate or the arguments that they had over marriage, if they had recognized that then that they do now, their marriage probably could have survived. So it's just about how we view and look at things that creates the issues. It's not the issues themselves. It's how we bring and how we feel about certain things that we bring to the marriage and we don't realize how to work through them or overcome them. It's never the issues. It's always about your level of understanding of the issues and where the other party is coming from. If you can stand back and respect their point of view, you can probably get through these issues very quickly. If not, you're going to focus on the issue and then you're going to miss the whole thing. It's, it's, it's not the dishes. It's not me washing the dishes. That's not the problem. The problem is how that made me feel. And why I felt that way. And now you feel like that you're older, you shouldn't have to do it. Right, because I have my own kids now. They should wash the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) My dad wasn't in my household. So my mom had four girls and a boy, but the boy went with my dad. It was up to all of us, the girls, to do everything. So when I was raised, when something broke, if my mom or me and my sisters could not fix it, then we called someone, or my mom would call her uncle. But for the most part, I knew my way around the toolbox. I could do anything with a screwdriver. I could put up blinds. I could put down carpet. We could put up drywall. We could retile floor. Like There wasn't anything that I could not do because in my mind, this was normal. And I grew up in an apartment. If something broke, we called a landlord. <laughs> so <laughs> so when, I couldn't fix a thing. I couldn't cut grass. I couldn't because I never had to do it. But I could wash dishes. Right. So I cut grass. I painted. We trimmed. I mean, bushes. I mean, there was basically. But to me, that was my normal. So when I got married, I'm thinking, <laughs> OK, everyone knows how to do this. Right. Because I know how to do it because we don't look outside of ourselves when we're doing things. We just think this is the norm. So when we got married and it was I asked, time to paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to mention cutting the grass, but you're right. And the first night in and I was like, OK, Jason, I'll paint this room and you can paint that room. And I just want to say, I think I had more paint on me than on the wall. I don't know, but it looked like a kid had painted it. It looked like my two year old had painted it. And I, your two I year old did paint it. <laughs> And I could not understand why he did not know how to paint. And it could have become an issue, but it didn't. I just said, okay, well, I tell you what, you just do the trim and I'll do the painting because 
I know that if I want something to look a certain type of way, then I'm just going to have to do it. And even though I was tired and I didn't want to do it, instead of arguing or getting upset over the fact that he couldn't paint, one, I just had to get out of shock. I was like, who does not know how to paint? Like, I thought that was just something that everyone knew how to do. And I was just in the amazement, like, man, she can paint. She could do this. Like, so, how she know all this stuff? So it goes back to saying, if, I'm, to- if, if I had have been a person who was raised with a dad and my dad did everything, whereas fixed everything, fixed the sink, fixed the car, painted, cut the grass, and then I married Jason and he couldn't do that. Now, yeah. that could have caused another problem also because, again... We would have been in trouble. My norm would have been... This is what men do. You're a man. Why can't you do it? And I and I wouldn't have been able to. And then we would have had issues. She would have been looking at me like, you're a man. Why can't you right. do this? Absolutely. I'm, like, I'm not supposed to. We need to call somebody to do this. Because his norm was we live in an apartment and everything was done through the landlord. Whereas I was raised in a house and everything was the responsibility on us. So understand. Those little, those little small differences can create huge problems in a relationship. We don't even take time to step back and say, what is the problem? We just automatically jump to the argument. Well, why can't you paint? Well, why can't you fix something? Well, why don't you know how to, you know, fix a sink or get your car working? Because we're so wrapped up in our culture and our norm that we're not taking the time to see that it's not that the person is inadequate or this is something that we need to argue over. It's just our background, how we were raised. And we have to love each other through it. And we made it through that transition. So now we he young. does not paint. He I, does I still not don't paint. paint. No. Right. And I still don't like to wash the dishes. Well, I just want to say he painted a few things in the house. And if you look through the house, you can kind of tell. But he, he's gotten a little better. Right. I, I kind of had to show I put him. more paint where it needs to go. He, I, I don't know. I He'll say, you I know. I still can't cut the grass work <laughs> crap. So he painted, you know, our basement. And he came upstairs and I'm like, why do you have paint on your arms and on your face and on your clothes? Like I can paint an entire room and not get a stitch of paint on me. Man, that is true. He comes upstairs and painted, like I painted a small <laughs> closet and got into the fight with the paint. It's all in his hair. But those are some things that we're trying to get couples to see because when we get with our mate, the only thing we're looking at is the now. I love this person. I love what they're about right now. I love what they're doing. And we don't take the time to look into their past. And that's also with other relationships. Some people may have had problems in previous relationships, but it doesn't mean that they have that issue with you. It may have been the person who they were with. So we can't judge people on previous relationships until we understand how they think, how they feel, where they're coming from, what their background is, and how it plays a part and how we're willing to understand that. That's what we mean by you can be with one person and the relationship works, or you can be with another person and it doesn't stand a chance. And I'll use myself as a, an example. Like Tina, you know, loved me through me not being able to paint and not being able to do much around the house. Thank God for YouTube. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew into it. I was always good with my hands, but I just didn't have the opportunity to do the things around the house. Now I do. Now I've gotten better at it. Now he can fix a sink. Right. Yeah, he can mm. put down some tile. Yeah. I can do a lot of things yeah, around the house, yeah. which is but, which is very rewarding. The thing is, if I was with someone else, 
that would not allow me to not be able to do these things and really come after me. You can't paint. You can't do this. What is wrong with you? The man is supposed to do this. My relationship would be totally different with that other person. That's why we say it's the same person. But if you take them and pair them with the right partner, they won't be the same. I love flowers and I love planting flowers. But for some reason, like I just don't enjoy it 100%. Like flowers to me take like Jason will go outside and he'll spend hours planting flowers around the house. And to me, like I just don't have that patience. So he loves to plant the flowers and it seems as though he knows exactly how to plant them. But sometimes when I planted the flowers, like they would die. So now going back, he may have thought like as a woman, every woman plants flowers, but that wasn't my thing. So I don't plant flowers. So when it comes to doing things, Jason usually plants the flowers, makes the cookies, bakes the cake. And I usually sand the floor Varnish the floor, Paint wax the, the floor, wax the, right, do those things. I'm usually putting up blinds and decorating the whole house for whatever festivity. So it is. we can't fall into that typical male female role. We have to see what strengths and weaknesses we have, our uniqueness, and get someone who makes us better, who adds to it who's going to compliment us in the areas that we are already good in instead of tearing us down in the areas that we need work on. Moving forward, you just understand that it's okay if you guys are different, which you already know, but embrace that difference. I've said this before. Love them through their differences. Understand why they feel this way about whatever the situation is. If they can't paint, if they don't like to do something, you know, if this was a you know, a traumatic experience for them as they were younger. And they say that I don't want to do this. I don't want to get through this. Or they might've been in a relationship and something happened. And it's like, well, when you say this, this is how it makes me feel instantly. You have to discuss these things. If it's, if it makes you feel a certain way, get that out in the open. Cause that's going to make your relationship better. And that's just stuff that we don't talk about. Even now as strong women, Some of us have had to come from single family homes and wear the pants for a very long time. We've had to be the breadwinner. It's It's hard to let a man be a man and be that leader and breadwinner, whether he's a breadwinner or not. But it's hard for him to be and take on the role of head of household. And it's not because, you know, we have an ego or we can't let go. It's just that this is how we were raised. This is our culture. This is what we, this is the norm for us. And I say us loosely, just meaning anyone. So therefore, when we get into a relationship and it requires us to step back and allow the man to be the breadwinner or to be the head of the household or make decisions that we usually make, it can create conflict because it's hard. It's not that we can't do it. It's just that we're used to doing it. So this is our norm. So we usually want to jump in and do it. And then the man is like, well, wait a minute, you're stepping on my toes. Or it just creates a problem because we have to understand when we marry someone, it's not just us anymore. It's all those things that we used to do that now we have to reevaluate how to do them. You have to share in the whole relationship. And that's what happens, though. If it's a single mom raising a daughter or whomever, then you're going to always see. 
someone that has to be strong. Then you grow up being strong. Then you get married and you have a mate. Now you're strong and he's strong and you're butting heads. And he may feel like, hey, you don't need me if you can do all this. You have to understand. She has to understand. He wants to be the man and he needs to play his role. And the man must understand, okay, I understand. You used to being strong. Hey, baby, look, I got this. It's we just can, about we can do talking. This together. Right. It's just about talking and communicating, understanding why you are having the problems that you're having and because, understanding how to work through them. Yeah, because the problem isn't the problem. Trust me. On one of our other podcasts, the young lady said that when she got married, the issue was that she never had a role model on what marriage was about or how to be married. That's another thing. If we don't know how to do something, how are we supposed to do it? And sometimes we're going to make mistakes or fail at things. But like Jason said before, it doesn't make us a failure. It should make us realize, okay, the way we did this didn't work. So let's try it a different way. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we bring it out in the open as to what marriage really deals with and what it's about, then we have a better chance at surviving at marriage and showing the younger generation exactly how marriage should be. I know a lot of people think that once you get married, you're miserable. There's no more love. There's no more happiness. That is such a myth. We have our share of disagreements and arguments and things of that nature. But one thing's for sure, we love each other. We really care for each other. But it's difficult. I was raised a different way as well as Tina. So we still overcoming those issues, even after 30 years of marriage. There's just some things that we continue to work through. But understanding that we do love each other and we want the best for each other keeps us going strong. I come from a family of strong women. So I think when I was growing up, I only had one uncle that was really around. But all of my aunts and cousins, none of them were really married. And so we all had to be really strong women. And growing up, I just took on that role because of, one, my family dynamics. And two, being of mixed descent, I was picked on a lot. So I had to toughen up to protect myself. And so I put on this armor. So when, as I got older, all of these experiences and things that I went through made me who I am. So therefore, when I got with Jason, I didn't see being strong as a problem. And neither did I. (laughs) But I know other people may have said like, wow, she's so aggressive or she talks certain this way or she does. And it's not that I don't respect him or I don't value him as a mate, it's the problem that I've always had to put on that armor and be that person where I had to stand up and defend myself because I come from a family of women. Case being when I was growing up, the guys in the neighborhood or the boys in the neighborhood would sometimes pick on us because it was just my mom and a house full of girls. So they didn't see any threat to them. So right. we had to you could just, you know, walk all over you. Right. Guys. So we had to become tougher. And all of those experiences made me who I am and made me deal with things in a certain way. And I had to learn how to relinquish that aggressiveness, how to let go and let Jason be more of the person. He doesn't deal with things like I do. With me, I may be aggressive if something goes wrong. If we're at a store and I feel like, you know, I was done wrong. I'm going to speak up, whereas Jason will not. 
But I had to learn to say, okay, you know what? Let him handle this situation or whatever situation the way he handles it. And I have to be okay with it. I may not have handled it that way, but that's not me. But me allowing Tina to be who she is and loving her through who she is does not make me less of a man because of how she was raised and what she had to overcome. We are still in this together, but she may be more outgoing than I am on certain issues. It all depends. I mean, I have to get really upset, but with Tina, she needs to make sure that I'm going to let you know that you wronged me and I'm going to let you know exactly where I stand with me. I, you know what? If, if someone wronged me at a particular place and I just say, hey, you know what? I won't be back. And, you know, that's the kind of end of that. You won't get my money again. But for a male, if your wife is, is strong and one that stands up for herself, just support her. Or I had to come to recognize that I don't always have to be the person standing up. You know, Jason has also showed me a lot of different ways in handling conflict. And I think that's important. In areas that I wasn't very strong in and dealing with conflict or dealing with issues, I had to step back and look at him and say, wow, even though at that time I may not agree with how he handled it, I later I saw that it was probably the best solution. So I had to learn how to balance myself off of what he did. And then I would just hope, I don't know, I can't speak for him, that he has become more outspoken and more balanced as in the way he handles things by looking at me. Like we have helped each other in the areas that we need help in. Sure. It was times where I needed to speak up and she's like, you know what, you really need to say something like, you know what, you're right. And you go and you take care of business like you need to and you speak up. And, you know, especially, you know, in front of the kids, you want to now, kids I didn't play with, you know, I spoke up for the kids. If they had an issue, if I had, if it was something wrong, the teachers or whomever would hear from me. I didn't have a problem with that if I disagreed with something. So, you know, I was their protector. That's how I kind of looked at it. As a parent, my job was to protect and make sure that my kids had a safe environment. If I felt like there was some wrong that was done to them, we would discuss it as a family. And I would explain to them the situation and how I was going to handle it teaching them how to deal with conflict, how to deal with disappointment, and then I would would handle it. I would handle it my way. So, yes, I've learned that from Tina. So she might have not done it the exact same way I have. I got the outcome that I needed. (laughs) Sometimes we say as parents, our kids are just reflections of us. And sometimes we see the worst things, the things that we dislike the most about ourselves and our kids. And why is that? We don't even see it when we're doing it. But then when our kids start to do it, we go, wow, they got that from us. They got that from me. And it's painstaking because it's like the things that you really can't see, the errors of your ways, they come out in your kids. And now kids have picked up the things that you do that you may not be too proud of. Not only that, but not only do they pick up the worst things that you do, but then they take it a step further. So then you create monsters. So I would just say be careful in how you resolve your differences because the things that you do that you dislike about yourself, not what someone else dislikes, but what you dislike. And we all know the things that we do that we wish we could change. And if you can't see it, then I think maybe you need to take a closer look at yourself. Stop looking outside of yourself, but look within yourself. What am I doing 
in this relationship that is not beneficial. Find out what it is that you need to change within yourself and work on it. So that way you can bring more to the relationship and make the relationship better. We just want to end this episode saying that marriages have a better chance and a better opportunity of success if we take the time to figure out what part am I playing in this marriage? What part am I playing in the arguments? What part are you playing in the relationship that reverts back to who you were or what you brought to the relationship? Evolve. Bring the relationship full circle. Understand your shortcomings. Embrace your shortcomings. Understand your partner's shortcomings. Come together and make it work. Work through your differences in a very civilized manner. Then your relationship can move forward. And sometimes we need to take some self-help before we can do it together. So maybe I need to work on me and then come back and we can work on those differences together instead of trying to do it all in one shot. Because what happens is that your mate sometimes may say things that offend you. And so you look at it as finger pointing and then you get into another argument instead of being open and listening to what that person has to say and taking the critique instead of criticism, understanding what they're saying and taking it value in it and then working on yourself before you try to come and change someone else. So understand what your background, understand what you went through and understand that that is affecting your relationship now. Absolutely. If you open up and you really pay attention and realize that your future is being controlled by your past, then you know that you can really take control of your future by changing how you feel now. Become the new you to make a new relationship. And that starts with self-help, self-education, self-development. So we would just say, go out there in your marriages and whatever issues that you seem to keep having or whatever problems you may have in your marriage that you seem as though you can't resolve or they keep coming up time and time again, take a step back and ask yourself, what part am I playing and how can we change this so that we have a different outcome next time? We want the strongest, healthiest relationship that we can possibly have. So do your part, make yourself better, and that's going to make your relationship better. All right, so that's it for this week's episode of Loving Beyond the I Do podcast. With Jason and Tina Marie. So don't forget, we're we're in it to win it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Loving Beyond the I Do podcast. Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legendary Relationship or visit our website at LegendaryRelationship.com. Till next time, remember to make every day count.